Welcome to the Christ Walk Church Podcast. How's everybody doing today? Man, what an incredible, incredible just presence of the Lord that has been in this house this morning. And thank you so much for the way that you worshiped and you sang and um, makes it easy to be the pastor of a church of people who come ready and expecting God to move in their lives. And I'm just so excited about all that God has done um, and all that he's going to continue to do, um, not just throughout today, but um, throughout this journey that we are on together here at Christ Walk Church. Uh, it, it, this, this coming week, yeah, it's this coming week that turns over eight months that I've been the lead pastor here. So, and in some cases it feels like about eight days, and in other cases it feels like about eight years but I am having the time of my life. So thank you guys so much for allowing me to be your pastor and to stand on this stage every week and just to communicate God's word to you. Um, People have asked me as they've heard about Vision Sunday, some of you have asked me, well, what is Vision Sunday? Vision Sunday, simply put, is a day that we're going to kind of set aside. It'll be likely around this time every single year, at least as long as I'm the pastor here. And it, it serves as a day, it gives an opportunity for me to just try to take some of the things that God has placed on my heart and kind of wrap them up as neatly as possible and deliver them to you to communicate in terms of who we are as a church, where we're headed as a church, what we're going to do as a church, who we're going to be as a church. And so today is, is my first stab at that. I got to be honest, I've never preached a Vision Sunday sermon before. So if you guys could extend some grace up this way, and I will reciprocate by extending grace to you out there. Um, this is tough. I've been very emotional today, and it's, it's not something that I necessarily anticipated, and, but I'm so excited about sharing this with you. And um, it's, just know, this is not going to be the vision complete, okay, because we don't have enough time for that. We would be here till at least November, and that's if I just talked like around the clock, and you don't want that, and, and my voice can't handle that. So this is just going to be the the tip of the iceberg. And then I'm going to spend the next 30 years standing in front of you and unpacking this vision um, for where we are headed together as Christ Walk Church. But if you've got your Bible or you've got a smart device, I want to invite you to turn with me, swipe with me to the Old Testament book of 1 Kings. We're going to land in chapter 17, 1 Kings 17. And we're going to start reading in verse 8. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to read this passage um, along with you. And then um, in in the following moments, I'm going to take uh, take some time to to go back and and break it down. So as we read this passage together in its entirety, it's not going to be on the screen. So I'm just going to read it. And then we're going to break it down and look at a couple different portions of it for the remainder of our day together. All right. 1 Kings 17. Starting with verse 8, then the Lord spoke his word to Elijah. Go to Zarephath in Sidon and live there. I've commanded a widow there to take care of you. 
So Elijah went to Zarephath, and when he reached the town gate, he saw a widow gathering food for a fire. Elijah asked her, would you bring me a little water in a cup so that I may have a drink? And as she was going to get his water, Elijah said, please bring me a piece of bread too. And the woman answered, as surely as the Lord your God lives, I have no bread. I have only a handful of flour in a jar and only a little olive oil in a jug. I came here to gather some wood so that I could go home and cook our last meal. My son and I will eat it and then die from hunger. Don't worry, Elijah said to her. Go home and cook your food as you have said, but first make a small loaf of bread from the flour you have and bring it to me, and then cook something for yourself and your son. The Lord, the God of Israel says that jar of flour will never be empty and the jug will always have oil in it until the day the Lord sends rain to the land. So the woman went home and did what Elijah told her to do. And the woman and her son and Elijah had enough food every day. The jar of flour and the jug of oil were never empty, just as the Lord through Elijah had promised. Sometime later, the son of the woman who owned the house became sick. He grew worse and worse and finally stopped breathing. Verse 18, the woman said to Elijah, man of God, what have you done to me? Did you come here to remind me of my sin and to kill my son? Elijah said to her, give me your son. And Elijah took the boy from her. He carried him upstairs and he laid him on the bed in the room where he was staying. Then he prayed to the Lord, Lord, my God, this widow is letting me stay in her house. Why have you done this terrible thing to her and caused her son to die? Then Elijah lay on top of the boy three times and he prayed to the Lord, Lord, my God, let this boy live again. The Lord answered Elijah's prayer. And the boy began breathing again and was alive. Elijah carried the boy downstairs and gave him to his mother and said, See, your son is alive. Now I know you really are a man from God. The woman said to Elijah, I know that the Lord truly speaks through you. All right, so... As we look into this passage, first of all, it's important for you to understand what is going on in Israel at this point. Elijah, um, he is experiencing, or the, the nation is experiencing a time of drought. There is no rain that has fallen on the land. And, and right before this, in the early part of this chapter, the Lord actually sends Elijah to Kareth. And there is a small brook there from which he gets water. And then something really crazy happens. Ravens come every day and they bring him meat to eat along with the water that the Lord provides from the brook. But eventually the brook Kareth dries up and so Elijah is forced to move on to the next area. And so the Lord tells him, get up and go to Zarephath and there's going to be a widow there waiting on you. And so Elijah comes upon this widow in this time of drought and that's where our story unfolds from going forward from there. So there's some, some things that we need to um, that we need to think about when we're talking about an, an area that is experiencing a drought. There are some, some ramifications or, or the cause and effect of a drought that has taken place. And the first of those is everybody has, there's a great thirst in the land. Anytime there's a drought, there's no water. The people, the animals, 
the crops, they all get thirsty. And then because of the lack of water, not only is, is there a thirst, but there is, it, it translates into a lack of bearing fruit. All of a sudden, because the crops cannot get the water that they need to sustain themselves, then they start to, they start to die away and, and, and they're not unable to, to bear fruit the way that they originally were intended to. And then because of the lack of bearing fruit, then, then humans and animals, they no longer have anything to eat. And so not only is it thirst and a lack of bearing fruit, but then drought also brings about hunger. People get hungry. Animals get hungry because there's no, there's no food supply. And then out of that thirst and, and out of that hunger, then, then the next thing is, is um, because there's no water, there's a lack of, there's a lack of being able to, to keep things clean or to be able to bathe yourself. And so you're thirsty and the crops aren't producing fruit and you're hungry and you can no longer keep yourself clean, you can no longer bathe. And then out of, out of those things triggers disease. And people and animals, they become diseased, and then that disease ultimately leads to death. And it's this domino effect that we see in these times of drought. And this didn't happen just in the times of the Old Testament. We've seen that in our world today. But I don't know that this passage specifically speaks to just a, a physical drought. I also think that, that there is some, some mirror images in this passage that we read, and it's not just what we see in the physical realm, but there's also something going on in the spiritual realm here too. And you and I, if, if, if we choose to, if we looked around hard enough, it wouldn't be very difficult for us to see that the very community in which we live is experiencing a drought in and of itself. Now, it may not be one of physical terms, but it doesn't take much to look around and see that we're experiencing a spiritual drought in this area today. Not just this area, but nation. I would say even globally, we are in a spiritual drought unlike ever before. And we are desperate for a time of reviving and refreshing of the Lord to come and take place. And so this woman, this widow at Zarephath, she found herself in a place of drought as well. And when, when the prophet comes to her, this is what she replies to him. First Kings 17, 12, he asks her for a meal and she says, I have no bread I have only a handful of flour in a jar and only a little olive oil in a jug. I came here to gather some wood so I could go home and cook our last meal. Now, now get this. Look at the highlighted part. My son and I will eat it and then die from hunger. This woman, she had accepted the situation that she was in. She was taking it at face value. She had just come to terms with the fact that it was help. She was, she was completely helpless. Her situation was hopeless, that there was, no, there was no remedy. There was no answer for her. She had accepted that death was imminent. Some of you are facing a situation this morning and you're looking at it and you're saying it's helpless. It's hopeless. You've come to the point where, where you're staring death in the face and you've accepted it. That that's my outcome. 
That's the result that is getting ready to take place in my life. But, but check out what Elijah tells her. He says, the Lord, the God of Israel says that jar of flour will never be empty and the jug will always have oil in it until the day the Lord sends rain to the land. That word empty, when you look it up in the Hebrew, it's actually the word kala. And it means finished or come to an end. He's saying, he's saying it's, it's not finished. It has not come to an end. It's not just an empty jar of, of flour that we are talking about. It's the situation that we face in our spiritual drought. You may look at something and see it as empty, seeing that it's come to an end, that you're at the end of the road. It is not finished for you this morning. That jug of oil says that it will always have oil in it. That always have is, is the word chasser. And it speaks to lack or be without or have need. That, that that jug of oil, it's not going to lack. It's not going to be without. It's not going to have need because God is the God who is our, our provider and our protector and our supplier. And he is going to see to it that this situation that you are facing, just like this widow, the situation that she was facing, it has not come to an end. It will not be empty. When you go back and you look, you will not be lacking. You will not be with need. I'm going to come in and I'm going to fill that empty void in your life, says the Lord. And some of you need to take hold of that this morning. That the situation you face, you have not come to an end. It is not going to result in death. The Lord is going to come into that situation and he is going to fill it up with something brand new. Amen? Amen. All right. Later on, verse 17. Sometime later, the son of the woman who owned the house became sick. He grew worse and worse and finally stopped Breathing. Now, this word breathing that we have here is the word neshama. And it's the Hebrew word for breath or spirit, literally the breath or spirit of God. It's, it's the word that's used all the way back at the beginning in Genesis chapter 2, when the Lord forms Adam out of the dust of the earth and he breathes the breath of life into Adam's nostrils. That, that this boy had experienced, not only had he died, but the, the breath, the very spirit of God had left his body. And so the woman comes to Elijah a second time. The woman said to Elijah, man of God, what have you done to me? Did you come here to remind me of my sin and to kill my son? Notice what happens. She didn't learn the first time around. She's accepted death now twice. She's accepted death now twice. First, that death was imminent because of what she saw, and now death is imminent because of what she had experienced. And some of you are looking at your situation in your marriage, or you're looking at the situation that you face in your health. You're looking at the situation you, you face in your finances, and you are accepting death. It seems hopeless. It seems helpless. There's nothing that could turn this situation around. But watch what happens next. Then Elijah prayed to the Lord, 
Lord, my God, let this boy live again. Some of us who are facing situations like this, we need to get down on our hands and knees and we need to cry out to God Almighty to let us live again. Let those situations that we face, let them live and breathe again. That the dark places, the dead places of our community, we need to stand in the gap between those places and our God. And we need to cry out for him to breathe new life and bring a revival into this community so that this community and its people can live again. And that's what Elijah did. He cried out for the boy to live again. And, and in verse 22, it says, the Lord answered Elijah's prayer. The boy began breathing again and was alive. Now we look at those two words, breathing and alive. And here's what we get in the Hebrew. Breathing is nefesh. It's a life. It is that which breathes. It, it perpetuates. It goes on. It, it, it's, it's not just one breath. It is the continual breath of life. The breathing in and breathing out that perpetuates life. And then chaya, which means to live, to be restored to life. It's the very words that we get out of Ezekiel 37 when Ezekiel sees the valley of dry bones and the word of the Lord comes to him and says, speak to these dry bones and they will live. And the Lord fills them with nefesh and then raises them to chaya, that they were once dead. It was just a bunch of bones, skeletons, but yet they were restored to life. And when I read this passage, it just jumps out at me that the jug of oil and the jar of flour, that not only does God give us the things through Jesus Christ to keep us alive, but also in Christ, we are given the things to restore that which is already dead. It's not just he's keeping us alive. I mean, like that's the easy part. But when something is, is just a valley of dry bones, when, when, when that body has already passed and it, it ceases to breathe the breath of life and we're looking at it and we're saying it's helpless, it's hopeless and God is saying, no, I am the restorer of life. I am the giver of life. And even though your situation may seem hopeless, you may seem completely helpless, I'm gonna come in and I'm gonna breathe a new breath of life on you and you will experience life once again in the places that you thought were forever dead. That is the word of the Lord that I came to proclaim to somebody this morning. And you need to take hold of that and you need to apply it, put it to use, put it to work in your life and the situation that you're facing. Because here's the thing. This is what Jesus was about. John 10, 10, it tells us Jesus' mission right here. It says a thief, talking about the devil, comes to steal and to kill and to destroy. But I, this is Jesus talking, he said, I came to give life. Everybody say, give life. I came to give life, life in all its fullness. If this is what Jesus was about, then I believe it's what we should be about. Because as long as I'm the pastor of Christ Walk Church, we're going to be about what Jesus was about. 
Amen? You guys can talk back to me this morning. It's okay. Dry bones live. (laughs) If this is what Jesus was about, if he came to give life, then we need to be a church that is life-giving. We need to be a church that is life-giving. That when people come to this place, that when people sit in our living rooms or, or when, they, when they bump up against us at the grocery store, that, that they just, they're overwhelmed and overcome with the love and the life and the light of Jesus Christ. Like, we just can't help it. Because that's what Jesus came to do and what he became to be. Now, check out this word life. You look it up in the Greek, and it's zoe. We're not talking about just a pulse. It's not the kind of life that Jesus is talking about. He's talking about a life that is real or genuine, a life that is active and vigorous, a blessed life, one that is devoted to God. Here's the kicker, that lasts forever. Like the sandlot, forever. That's the kind of life that God has called us to. That's what, that's what the Lord is calling us to, to perpetuate and, and to, to dispense out onto the community around us. Not just a life that keeps our heart beating. No, a life that is active and vigorous and blessed that lasts forever. That's the life that we've been called to give. And we give it through Jesus Christ. So what does it mean to be life-giving? What does that mean? What does that look like? I boil it down to really one word. And it's a word that back since January of this year, when we were meeting with our staff, the incredible staff that we have here, it's a word that just kind of came up, that the Lord just kind of dropped in, in in our spirit that has wrecked me over the past nine months that I've been wrestling with and, and chewing on, and, and it's, it's simply this word here. It's the word inspire. Now, when you look up inspire in the dictionary, there's a whole lot of definitions of it. And you scroll all the way down to the bottom, and there's one definition that even the dictionary says, this is archaic. It's dead. We don't even use it anymore. And this is that definition. The archaic definition of inspire. The dead one, the one that we don't even use anymore is to infuse breath, life, etc. by breathing. Usually followed by into. The old definition of inspire, the one that's dead, the one that's gone away is the very definition of the word inspire. It's like what happened with the very word of God that he inspired, he breathed life into its pages. It is the definition of what God did with Adam there at the very beginning that he formed him out of the dust of the earth and he inspired him. He breathed the breath of life into his Lungs. I'm here to tell Webster and everybody else that this definition is not dead because I have found the source of the definition and it is the living and breathing word of God. And that is what we have been called to do and to proclaim. 
This is what we exist for. We exist to inspire people to follow Jesus every day. Christ Walk Church, Pastor Blake, the staff, all of you, this is what we're about. The reason this is what we're about is because this is what Jesus was about. He said, I came to give life, to breathe life into dead places. You and I, we exist to inspire people to follow Jesus every day. And here's what happens when someone gets inspired. You've been, you've been inspired before. You know what it's like. You hear something, you see something, you read something, it inspires you. And then what do you do? You take action. You take action. You and I, we exist to inspire people to take this action of following Jesus every day. It's not just a Sunday thing. It's an everyday thing. 365 and one quarter day every year. That's what we do. We exist to inspire people to follow Jesus every day. Check out Matthew 5, 16. This is Jesus talking in the Sermon on the Mount. He said, in the same way, you should be a light for other people. Live, that is a command, live. That means take action, that means do this. Live so that they, that's talking about everybody else, will see the good things you do and will praise your Father in heaven. I don't know about you, but for me, that means go inspire people. You live the way that I've called you to live and other people are gonna see it and then because of it, they're going to take action and they're gonna to begin to live that way too. That's what inspire means. It's why we exist. It's why we do the things we do because it's what Jesus did and what he's commanded us to do. And not only that, but we've got a message to take to the people around us. And, and here's the message right here. Here's the message for all of those that are in a spiritual drought. All of those that are, that are hungering and thirsting. We have this right here. John 6, 35. Then Jesus said, I am the bread that gives life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. My grandfather was a pastor. I never ate a meal with him that we didn't say that verse before we ate. We would pray together and sometimes, because you know how us pastors are, he prayed a long time. And like the food was getting cold. And like I remember being a little kid and I'm like, Grandpa, I just want to eat my hamburger. But we couldn't eat. Because that's what it's about. 
There are people all over this world and they are hungering and they are thirsting and they are trying to satiate their appetites with the wrong thing. And you and I, we have the remedy. We have the answer and it's up to us to take it to them. We need to tell them, quit looking in all of those other places. It's right here. Jesus is the one that satisfies. He is the bread of life. Everyone, whoever, it doesn't matter who you are, whoever comes to him will never hunger or thirst again. It's the response to the spiritual drought that is taking place in our community. Check out these words, hungry and thirsty. Hungry, we get the word pinal. It, it doesn't just mean to hunger, it means to suffer want, to be needy, to crave ardently, to seek with eager desire. We can look around our community, we see people that are in this state right here. We see people that are experiencing thirst, Dipsal, not just suffering from thirst, but to painfully feel want of and eagerly long for those things by which the soul is refreshed, supported, and strengthened. All across our community, there are people that are lonely and they're in pain, they are hurting, and they're trying to find the answer in a bottle or in a syringe, or in a pill, or through a relationship. Through all of these things that they keep feeding that desire, but they never get satisfaction. It's because they're not seeking the one thing that can give them satisfaction. And that's Jesus. He is the bread of life. So we've got to inspire people to stop looking in the wrong places to satisfy their hunger and thirst and instead look to Jesus. So how are we going to do this? If we exist to inspire people to follow Jesus every day, like what are like the practical things that you and I are going to do? How, how does, like, what does this actually look like? Well, the good news is we're not going to reinvent the wheel because God's word gives us exactly what we need in order to do this. And it's in a passage called, many people refer to as the Great Commission. It's in Matthew 28, verses 19 and 20. Jesus tells his followers, it's one of the last things that he told them before he left the earth and ascended into heaven. And he tells them, he says, so go and make followers. Everybody say, make followers. So go and make followers of all people in the world. Say, baptize them. Baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Say, teach them to obey. Teach them to obey everything that I've taught you. And I will be with you always, even until the end of this age. So let's break this down a little bit. If this is the how, and, and I figure that since this is what Jesus told his disciples, one of the last things that he shared before he left the earth, and we are his disciples, then rather with like trying to come up with something like new and fancy, 
We just go back to the thing that like he told his disciples because we're his disciples. And if it was good enough for them 2000 years ago, I, I think it's good enough for us today. Right. Right. So since this is what Jesus said, I, I reckon it's probably what we ought to do. And so this is what we're going to do. If you're taking notes, you want to write these down. Three things. Number one, make followers. We're going to create opportunities for people to belong. We're going to eliminate as many barriers as we possibly can for people to come to Jesus. I don't think it's a coincidence. The very first message that I preached in this church, standing on the stage, talked about a paralyzed man who couldn't get into the house to get to Jesus, but his four friends had the wherewithal to dig a hole in the roof and mess everything up. They stopped at nothing to get him to Jesus. That first message that I preach, it stays very much the same. Today, these, you know, that was like, what, like 12 months ago? And for the rest of my time, you're like, that's what we're going to be about. We're going to be about getting people to Jesus. We're going to eliminate as many barriers as possible to get people to come to Jesus. Every single person is welcome here. Everyone, anyone. Does he really mean that? Yes, I do. Anyone. I said it earlier today and I stand behind my statement. You don't have to believe to belong here. So if you're not a believer, it doesn't matter. Your skin color, it doesn't matter. Your socioeconomic standing, it doesn't matter. Your sexual orientation doesn't matter. Your addictions don't matter. Your secret sins don't matter. See, we're going to be a people that we're not concerned with how people come in. We're concerned with what happens and, and what they're like when they leave. That's what we're going to focus on. We're going to welcome people like crazy. We are going to love and accept people like crazy. We are going to serve people like crazy. We're going to add as much value to their lives as we possibly can. We're going to give them a tumbler. We're going to give them a cooling towel. We're going to give them a t-shirt. We're like, what can, we, what can we dream up to add value to people's lives? That's what we're going to do. And every single time we gather together, we are going to challenge people with the gospel of Jesus Christ and encourage them to live differently. That's what we're going to do. And our focus is not going to be on who people used to be. Instead, we're going to focus on who people are going to be. Many of you got our email chain this week. You're part of that. You saw that there was a big announcement. One of the things that we're going to do, this is the big announcement. It may not be big to you. It's huge to me. I'm so excited about it. And at the risk of you not paying attention for the rest of this message, I'm going to tell you what this announcement is. Because it fits in right here. One of the tools that we're providing, one, one of the things that we're doing to help people belong is, um, as of today, we are rolling out a brand new website, the Christwalk. Com. It's the same URL as our previous website, but it's got a brand new look, a brand new feel. Whenever you guys see Pastor Ryan, y'all need to like high five him, pat him on the back. He has put some serious time and effort and energy into this thing. And here's the cool thing. This is, this is just phase one, what you're going to see. And the cool thing is, is that it, 
it, it kind of, like, I don't even know how to explain it in, like, because I'm not a big nerd and I don't understand all that stuff. But, like, it looks different on your desktop computer than it does on your phone or your tablet. And so it's got, like, the best of both worlds. Like, it looks awesome in both places. But, like, on your mobile device, it kind of functions like an app. But then on your desktop, it functions like a regular website. And it looks amazing. Even though my picture's on it, it still looks, I mean, like, it's that good. And here's the cool thing. It was designed, especially in this first phase, it was designed with the newcomer in mind, with people that don't know what Christ walk is all about. It gives them a look and a feel and an idea of what coming to church here is about. It answers a lot of questions on the front end because remember, we're trying to remove as many barriers as possible to get people to Jesus. And so when you're out in the community and you're talking about Christ thought, because I know that you do that and you're inviting people to church because that's what we're supposed to do. And somebody says, well, tell me about your church. Now you just grab their phone and type in the Christwalk.com and then they can experience what Christ walk is all about before they ever show up. And it's going to be, it's going to be a gateway. It's going to be an, an inroad for people to come here. And in essence, it's like a digital, um, it's like a digital invite card right there in your pocket that you can show anybody. And it's so easy to navigate. Even a caveman can do it. It's like an old Geico commercial. Like, where did that come from? Right? Right? That's why we're going to do some things to help people belong. It's why we're going to do some things maybe a little bit outside the box, maybe a little bit unorthodox, like an at the movie series where we're going to turn our auditorium into a movie theater for a month. And we've got some surprises up our sleeves, some fun stuff that we've got going on. Trust me, you do not want to miss a Sunday in October for At The Movies. We're going to be talking about some of the most recent blockbusters and we're going to be applying their, their plot and, 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 and the themes of those movies and, and it's going to collide with the message of the gospel and it's going to be awesome. And so not only do you need to be here, but you need to bring some people with you. That's why we're putting these invite cards in your hand because we want to give you tools to help you get people to come to this place because this is a place where they can belong. We want people here and we want to help you to get your family and your friends and your loved ones and like random people in the street that you just walk up to and say, hey, we've got a place for you at Christ Walk. See, here's the deal. For those of us that already believe, for those of us that already are a part of Christ Walk, it's not about us. It's just not. It's not about us. Jesus, the good shepherd, he left the 99 to go and find the one. One more matters because we will not rest until every single person in our community has come to surrender their life to Jesus Christ. Our church will never be big enough until all of those people have been reached. That is our quest. That is our mission to go and inspire those people to follow Jesus every day. That's why we give up our best parking spots so newcomers can park closer. That's why those of us that volunteer, we serve, we come early, we stay late because we want to set the table for people to be able to come and experience an encounter with Jesus Christ. That's why we have really good coffee in the lobby. We ain't serving no Folgers. <laughs> 
Don't bring any of that noise to me. We're serving coffee from Cup of Love Ministry in Jacksonville, Florida. And when we buy it, it goes to support veterans who are trying to find jobs and they're homeless and on the street. It puts money back to be a blessing to them. So drink up. Get your caffeine on. It's making a difference in the community. Folgers. Juan Valdez is a jerk anyways. Just kidding. I'm kidding. I don't know Juan Valdez. So I'll be placing incredible emphasis on having quality children's ministry. Because we know that if our kids are taken care of and parents don't have to worry about them, and they know that, that they're over there getting loved on and, and they're experiencing the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ at an age-appropriate level and they're having fun. And trust me, they are having fun over there. They love it. And we're changing their diaper and we're, you know, we're doing everything to, to provide the utmost amount of care for them so that moms and dads can come into this place and they don't have to worry about their kid. They know that, that little Bobby and Susie are taken care of so that they can just focus on having an encounter with Jesus Christ. We're removing those barriers out of the way. It's why we have a security team in place. They're helping, yeah. They're helping show people where to park and, and doing all that stuff. And, and then, and then they're, they're patrolling these grounds all the while we're in service to be sure that everyone's taken care of, particularly our children. There's somebody right outside the door, like standing there, like, like Dolph Lundgren, like, I must break you, you know, like that whole, like, bring it on. Because we want to eliminate those barriers so that you can sit in here and you don't have to worry about, are my kids safe? Am I safe? Yes. You don't have to think about that. So let me broadcast online because we know that some people can't be here. We've got people that, that they tune in and they listen from, from states, all, like all different kinds of places and everything. And they are a part of Christ Walk Church. Hey, guys. Thanks for joining us today. That's why we do that, because this message is so important, because we are about reaching people. And we do all of these things to provide opportunities for people to belong so that they can take steps toward life change. Because here's the deal. People matter. People matter. And if we don't allow them to belong here, They'll go find another place that will. So why not Christ walk? So that's the first thing we're going to do. Jesus said, make followers. We're going to give people an opportunity to belong. The second thing, we're going to give them an opportunity to believe. He said, baptize them. When we get baptized, we go, we go public with our faith showing the world that we've put our faith and our hope and our trust in Jesus Christ. It's an inward or an outward sign of an inward work. And notice, believe comes after belong. It's important. It's that way on purpose because it's not well people that are in need of a hospital. It's the sick. You don't go to a hospital if you're well. You only go there if you're sick. We're not expecting people to get their lives cleaned up out there so that then they can come and belong in here. No, we're expecting people with their, their dirt and their mess and their junk to come into this place and get their lives cleaned up in here. 
They belong. You belong here. We've got a seat for you. You are a part of us, whether you believe or not. This is a place for you. That's why we give regular opportunities in our services for people to accept Jesus. To take that first step toward life change. So I'll be giving regular opportunities for people to, to be baptized in water so that once they've taken that first step towards Jesus, now they can go public with their faith and tell the world about what Jesus has done for them. We give them opportunities to belong. We give them opportunities to believe. And then finally, he said, teach them to obey. We give them opportunities to become. So every single week we proclaim a Bible-based, gospel-centered message. That's why we provide opportunities for people just like you to, to join a team and use your God-given talents to serve other people. That's why in, the, in the, the spring and in the fall, we have small groups so that people just like you can find community with other believers. That's why we do things like Serve Day because we want to mobilize our people to get out and add value into our community. It's why we hosted an event just like we did earlier this month, Couple to Couple, where more than 20 couples sat in here for three consecutive Sunday evenings. And they said, I want to make an investment in my marriage because I want to have the marriage that I've always dreamed of. It's why we hosted Global Leadership Summit, because we know that when leaders get better, our community gets better. It's why we give regular opportunities for you to give God his tithe and your offering. And we know that, that God doesn't need our money, but we need his blessing in our life. And so that's why we create those opportunities. It's because we want something for you, not something from you. This is a place that you can come and belong. This is a place that you can come and believe. This is a place that you can come to become all that God has called you to be. And every time somebody takes a step, coming to church for the first time, the second time, the third time, giving their heart to Christ, being baptized in water, joining a team, joining a group, being a part of serve day, tithing, giving an offering for the first time, every single one of those things. That's a step towards Jesus. That's a step towards life change. That is the win. That's what we celebrate. That's how we know we're winning. And we're seeing that happen each and every week by the droves, time and time again, people stepping out towards Jesus, stepping out towards life change. That's what it's all about. But it all starts with us creating opportunities for people to belong, believe, and become. It all starts with us who exist to inspire people to follow Jesus every day. That means that when you leave here, you go in and you inspire somebody at the restaurant you're going to eat at. You inspire somebody at the beach later or at the park later, or taking a nap later. I don't know. That inspires me. I just felt the Holy Ghost right there. Mm. In your workplace, in your schools, kids, you're not exempt. 
in the grocery store, on the athletic field or the court or whatever it is you do, like your extracurricular activities in every aspect and facet of life, we exist to inspire people to breathe life into the dead places of our community, to spur on people to take steps toward life change. Just imagine, imagine what might happen if we did this together. What would our church, what would this community look like a year from now? Five years from now? 25 years from now? If we all sought to live in such a way so as to do everything that we possibly can to inspire those around us to follow Jesus every single day by giving them a place, a people to belong to, something to believe in, and showing them the plan that God has for them to become. I'm so glad that I get a front row seat to see it all take place. And I can't think of anybody else that I'd rather do this with than all of you. So I invite you. Let's get in here and let's do this thing because that's what being a part of Christ's walk is all about. That's who we're gonna be and that's what we're gonna do. Thank you guys so much for being here. I love you so much. I'm so excited about the future of our church and our community. And I truly believe the best is yet to come. Thank you for listening to the Christ Walk Podcast. For more information about Christ Walk Church, please visit thechristwalk.com.